guys welcome to episode 15 of vibing in valentino so instead of doing a weekly weakness segment today i am going to do kind of like a weekly update on what has been going on so on friday so actually the day that this episode comes out i will be on my way back home to thailand for a month and I'm so excited, but this past week, I have been everywhere, and I have been getting Yakuza's documents for Thailand in order, I have been doing, you know, I have to get my lashes and nails and everything done, I had a meeting with the PR people, shout out to Scouts Agency, my podcast management, and PR people for the podcast, I went to dinner with them at Bakari on West 3rd. If you guys are in LA, I highly suggest Bakari. What else has been going on? I have been cramming in my workouts this week. So I usually take a rest day on Wednesday because I'll lift Monday and Tuesday and then want to give my body some time to recover. So I'll take Wednesday off and uh, Thursday, Friday, lift again, but since I will be flying out on Friday and I'm going to be jet lagged all weekend pretty much because that time difference is killer. Like it's a 12 hour time difference and I mean honestly it just doesn't get any worse than that. <laughs> it's so dramatic. Get I work out with my girl Anna at Crunch in West Hollywood. You know what? I will say this has been something that I've discovered because I usually like to work out on my own just because I focus and I don't have to, you know, like I don't really have to talk to anybody, but working out with somebody else can really, if you guys are able to agree on like what body part you're working out and a routine, and if you guys are at relatively the same fitness level, it will really help the time go by a lot faster and Honestly, when you work out at a gym, like a legit gym and not like an apartment gym, you have a lot more equipment to play around with. I wish my apartment gym was a little bit more (laughs) well-stocked, but I don't want to be that girl that like writes in like a letter to management, you know, like, (laughs) like doing too much. So that's just what's been going on with me this week. Um, A lot of prep work. I still haven't packed. I... I'm going to pack Friday morning before I leave for the airport because, I mean, why not? (laughs) Living life on the edge. (laughs) Um, Our guest this week is so cute. She is a huge blogger and influencer, and she really, she runs a digital agency for influencers and campaigns, and She really knows her shit when it comes to branding, and I remember this conversation so well because she was the one who actually told me that I need a Vibing in Valentino email, and that's the whole reason why I created... I had to buy the Vibing in Valentino domain. I had to register it with Google Suite or something, and that's when I created my Nicole at vibinginvalentino.com email address, so... That will be the point of contact from now on when it comes to anything business related. She was literally like, Nicole, if you email me from your personal email address, I will not answer you anymore. (laughs) So thank you for that tip. Not only does it make me seem more professional, it really does cement 
this podcast as something with a lot of growth potential and something that I do take seriously. So she gives really good advice for any current or aspiring influencers or bloggers. You guys have to listen to this episode. So let's get right into it. Our guest this week is a blogger and social media branding genius. What began as an outlet for creativity and self-expression has evolved into a thriving lifestyle website that covers everything from fashion and beauty to home decor, travel and wellness, and the brand now includes a clothing collection. In 2016, three years after the blog's launch, she founded the Hope Burnett Marketing House, digital branding agency that specializes in micro-influencer media campaigns. Alyssa Melendez, welcome to Vibing in Valentino. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here, all the way from Spain, but I'm here. I know. Okay, so do you feel better? I know you had like a little bit of a head cold. Yes, I'm totally better. I actually had a nose job, which I blasted all over my social media because I just wanted to tell the whole world about how excited I was about it. Um, so it's been a little bit of a process of recovery, but honestly, I feel amazing. And you know, I've, I've built a business where I've been able to work from home for the past few years, so getting a nose job hasn't been too stressful on work, but it's a little bit difficult managing everything, but I'm back on track and ready to go. Yay! Yeah, I got my nose job <laughs> at uh, 19. <laughs> I love it. I love that, like, we can talk about this I and know. not be ashamed of it, because I'm not ashamed of it. I'm like, you know what? My face is all over the internet. And I've talked about way worse and weirder things than a nose Seriously. job. So, you know what? This honestly wasn't the weirdest thing I've ever talked about. Seriously. But, you know. <laughs> I got mine in Thailand. Girl, they, tell me why they did not put me to sleep. Stop. Or you're not, you're joking. No, I Alyssa. I was oh fully awake the whole time. They just numbed my face. Um, <laughs> did not put me to sleep. I heard everything in the world that was happening to my face. I was screaming. They strapped me down. Or I don't know if I was strapped no. down or if they had like nurses holding down my arms and my legs like a psych patient. I was traumatized. Okay, this is a story that needs to be told. I'm not <laughs> kidding because that is the craziest thing. Have you ever seen the show Botched? Because they definitely have like those scenarios on there where like oh. someone will go on. I mean, you look great, though. I mean, I would never Thank know that you, you had endured such a horrifying experience. But I'm just going to go out there and say, that's not normal. I, I was very confused. And they were like, yeah, you're oh going to be awake. You're just going to be sleepy. They said you're going to be sleepy. They gave me Xanax. <laughs> Xanax. Okay. Mind you, this oh is when I was 19. Currently, I, you know, I do take Xanax for my psychiatric trauma from my surgery, <laughs> but um, at the time, I was brand new to Xanax, I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to feel. They're like, it's just going to make you not worry. I was like, fantastic, because oh I am worrying for sure, and it didn't kick in until after the surgery on the ride home, but I was sober as fuck. Oh. <laughs> getting my, my nose done <laughs> well i'm happy that you um survived i straight you. up like i ha i had this list of rational fears and irrational fears and oh. obviously there's like the rational ones where like 
I'd be like, well, what if my nostrils don't turn out the way that I hoped? You know, that's yes. irrational fear. Yes, that's irrational And then there's fear. like the irrational fears, like, what if I wake up during surgery? That was literally on my list. <laughs> and I called my mom the night before. Sorry, my mom and her friends, if they're listening to this, because I'm just going to like have to blast her for two seconds. <laughs> but she was like, I was like, mom, like, what if I wake up in the middle of my surgery? Like, that's my worst fear. Because yeah. I've heard about this on those watch yes. television shows of people's surgeries. And she goes, um, well, I woke up during my colon resection, and I was like, Mom, this was the wrong time to tell no. me that. Like, literally the wrong oh, time. And God. so I did actually go into the, when I went to the um, hospital the next day to, for my surgery, I told the doctor, and they were like, okay, that's like a, she was like in a twilight sleep for that. You're like knocked out. You're not going to wake up. That's like a different type of sleep that they do for that procedure. I was like, oh, okay, oh, thank God. God. Because oh I don't know God. if I could deal with that. That's, that was actually my number one fear. But yeah. I'm glad you survived. I don't know if I would emotionally have survived. So the I, I, fact that you're here, like in one piece, I know. is I think a miracle in itself. I think so. I think, I think mentally I have a little bit of damage. Left oh over damage. Like totally. Psychologically and emotionally. Obviously. Like if anything ever goes wrong, like mentally in your life, you'd be like, well, you know, I did actually survive a rhinoplasty while I was I awake. So that I heard. Okay. Oh, God. Can you um, tell the listeners a little bit about your blogging and social media journey? Okay. So in 2014, I started a blog, The Hot Brunette. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was a totally different name, which is so funny. There's only a few people that have known me or like been with me on this journey long enough to know. But my first blog was called mepoopsie.com like m-e-p-o-o-p-s-i-e because poopsie was my nickname and I had that was my first blog and I was like it's a cute name whatever it's unique and I kind of went with that and then you know I mean actually you know blogging was fine and not a lot of people even mentioned the name like oh what a cute name whatever and then it wasn't until 2015 that um when I met my now fiance who is like a marketing genius mm-hmm. uh, he's like listen if you really want this to be a long-term thing you got to get rid of the name like yeah. you're he's like think about the future you're gonna be like 40 years old me poopsie really <laughs> like no you, you need to figure that out so I, up, <laughs> I know i ended up changing my uh my name to the help brunette mm-hmm. and actually he he didn't help me he helped me in the process he didn't actually help me figure out the name but basically what i did was he was like take a notepad and I, I literally took like one of those yellow rectangle yeah, notepads legal, no, yeah. yeah like a legal notepad and he's like make a list of things that describe your brand like just mm-hmm. one word and like write and write and write and write and then kind of like put them together like a puzzle yeah and I wrote tons of words and then obviously you know I scribbled a million of them out and I came up with the name and that's kind of that was actually kind of I guess a rebranding for me yeah um and I I don't even know if I, I can't, I honestly can't remember. It feels like me poopsie never existed to be honest. Maybe I've lost it out already. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was kind of a rebranding moment for sure. I think definitely things went up in my career that year. Um, I started getting better brand collaborations Mm -hmm. and it was probably because it was just a more mature and made sense. Um, It wasn't just this abstract name that people were like, what is that? I mean, for some people it totally worked. And that's fine. But for me, it was just, it was something that I think helped me move on. Um, And then after that, you know, blogging was going well, but I still had my day job. I was an insurance broker Mm -hmm. and I worked for myself at the time. So I had, I was pretty successful doing that. And so it was a really big leap for
for me to stop doing that because it wasn't that I didn't have a great job and I wanted to do something better. It was that I had a really, really great job. I just hated it and wanted to do something else. Yeah. But I had to figure out, like, how can I quit my job that's allowing me this specific lifestyle that I've been able to afford to travel and live in a nice apartment and do all this stuff for myself, uh, you know, transition to something where I'm making, like, I don't know, an 18th of the income, like, maybe even less than that. Yeah. So... Really, then THB Marketing House came along, and obviously THB, the Hoppernet, I just shortened it a little bit, yeah. made that as like an agency, and the whole idea behind that was really just to, because I wasn't making enough money, I think I had like about 15,000 followers when I started THB Marketing House, mm-hmm. was really just to be able to pitch brands, like a group of people, instead of just myself, because even if I had calculated, like if I worked every single day, of the month and I had a collaboration every day the most I was really able to charge at the time was like a hundred dollars maybe 150 if I was lucky Uh so I'm like that's still not enough for me to like survive like uh, on what I was already you know what I was making before and kind of where I wanted to go in the future and plus I don't know if anybody could even mentally handle 30 campaigns a month that would be crazy so um, basically the transition was really just to be able to pitch more than myself as a group and charge a management fee which was going to allow me to, uh, which was going to allow me to, sorry, Penny's barking. Okay. Um, <laughs> so cute. She, she goes with me everywhere, so she's with me here today. I love uh, that. She was, I know, she's like my little companion. She goes on the plane with me. She's great. Um, but she barks at the best time, <laughs> yeah. obviously. Um, anyways, that was going to allow me just to like really make up the money that I I didn't see myself making for actually a really long time based on how I grew for years it took me to get to 15,000 as a blogger Mm -hmm. I'm like okay can I wait another three years to like make the type of money that I need to be making so really the transition was obviously one to build a a community where I could actually provide people with jobs but also realistically was just to survive because Mm -hmm. I couldn't survive on my blog alone so that's really or the transition was. At what but point, still doing both. At what point did um, content creation turn into a full-time job for you then? Because you were, it was a side hustle for a while, right? Yeah, it was. It was a side hustle. That was crazy. Yeah, like how long until you made like a dime from your blog or your social media? It was honestly three years. And even at like the three-year mark when I decided to move to or create THB Marketing House, mm-hmm. I still was making like nothing. And I mean nothing. I think the after maybe on year three, I made five hundred dollars the whole year. Oh so it was like I was actually working with some pretty good brands. Mm-hmm. So I didn't feel like I don't know. I I was really proud of the work that I was doing. So yeah. it was never like about making so much money in the beginning because I always went into it knowing that this was going to be a really long process. Right. And I also had another job. And so really like I would say those three years were more of a self-discovery for me which I think is so important when you are starting a brand a personal brand anyway mm-hmm. not necessarily like a, a business business but I did go in it with a business mind yeah. knowing that eventually it was going to be something that would drive me into something else that would make more money like THG Marketing House or something else you know there's so many more things I want to do but it would be something that allowed me to start from so I always went into it thinking that this is going to be a business but I didn't exactly know how I was going to figure out that financially yeah. but I always kept in mind that it was not going to be a hobby you knew it was going yeah. to turn into something 
that money and consistency. Exactly. Yeah. So I wasn't in a rush, and that actually allowed me just to, like, build, I think, in a more authentic way to myself. Yeah. Because it's such, it was such a personal brand. Yeah. I think let's go back for a second to, like, when you said it took a long time. You have to be in it for a long haul. Because yeah. a lot of the people, like, you know, new content creators, they go into it, and they're not making money from it, and then they give up. Like, they're not making money from it within, like, the first few months or whatever like right now for me this podcast I'm still not making money off of it I don't make that much money off my Instagram like we and then a lot of people give up you know what is your advice for for that for like kind of like I don't know like looking at the bigger picture because a lot of us lose sight of that sometimes for the money I think that it's well (laughs) It's funny because I also do mentoring, mm-hmm. and so I hear so many different sides of it. I will get people that will call me on month three of their blogging, and they'll pay for mentoring, and they'll be like, oh my gosh, I haven't made a dollar. I've been working my ass off for yeah. three months, and I'm like, girl, get in line. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, then I'll, and then I'll have someone who will come to me. I, just, I actually had a mentoring client a few months ago, and she came to me. She's been blogging for six months, and she's like, I'm only making, like, three grand a month blogging. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? Please tell me your secrets, because right. I would also like to get on that. Like, right. I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> let's, let's help each other out here. Um, so I think that if... I think, listen, not everyone's the same and not everyone has a full picture going into it. So I think that a lot of the time there are many new bloggers or influencers or whatever you want to, or whatever they want to call themselves, what their, what their idea is of what they want to do. And they see all of these, um, they see all of these pieces of information online where it shows you how to be a blogger and how to be an influencer and how it takes like no money to start up it's like the, yeah. the business of your dreams and all this stuff I have read so much of that and I every single time I get on the phone with somebody I'm like I'm going to give you the cold hard truth and the fact because what you read online is probably not at all what you thought you were going into and mm-hmm. so I think a lot of the time when someone gives up it's because they didn't go in with realistic expectations yeah. so I'm someone with zero patience. So the fact that I've even made it this far is actually kind of incredible to me. I mean, I am a person who needs, I'm an immediate gratification person. Yes, Um, So again, I like, sometimes I'm like, how did I even get here? Um, But I think really having the right expectations going in is something that is going to be the most valuable Mm -hmm. because you're not going to make money right away. It would be different if you maybe, it also depends on how much money you invest. I have to be perfectly honest about this because people don't really realize you can start a blog with $40. That's a given. It's, yeah. You can go on Squarespace, get a website, like pay not even $40, $15, and like take photos yourself, and you could actually build a brand that looks like it's doing really well and really yeah. beautiful and all of this stuff. But the thing is, is that there's millions of businesses online now. There's millions of influencers online. There's millions of everything online. So what you're doing, if you're not actually investing money in marketing, I think that it will take you a really long time. If you do actually have a budget to think of this, like if you actually built a proper business model and you thought, okay, well, if I spend $1,000 a month on marketing, I know I'm going to be in the hole financially for probably about a year (laughs) or two, who knows, but you might actually get a lot further than somebody who's starting out that isn't going to invest in marketing. At the same time, the, the... there is a charisma to why people, why someone follows someone, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, there are a lot of people that are just very charismatic online and some people that aren't. 
and nothing to be ashamed of because we're all not good at the same thing. So someone might not invest anything in our marketing, but for some reason they're just captivating. I mean, like that's how like a lot of celebrities are celebrities is because they're just captivating people. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you want to look at them, you want to look at to them, you like the sound of their voice. And there's some of that that just can't be taught, but that's okay because the same job isn't meant for everyone. Not everyone is going to be good at being a doctor or being mm-hmm. a lawyer, right. or not everyone's going to be the can't be the best in their field. The only thing that you can ever be the best at is being yourself. Right. And whether or not you can monetize that is something completely different. Right. As you know, like as content creators or as bloggers or as influencers or whatever you want to call it, our brand is essentially ourself. Like we're branding ourselves and our aesthetic. What is your advice for monetizing a creative platform like that? So interesting because I was thinking about this the other day. I had gone to a conference. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly can't. It was like a digital app or something. I don't. It was like. Oh, it, it was. I don't even remember what it was now. But I remember specifically one of the speakers was um, really high up at IKEA, and their main what they said was was basically like. You know, I don't actually like a lot of the stuff that IKEA makes, but we make it because it's functional and people mm-hmm. love it. And if I had my choice, I'd be designing something else, but I have to listen to what other people want, you know, because that's mm-hmm. the consumer. So as much as I, as much as like a personal blog is really monetizing yourself, mm-hmm. I think at the same time, you do have to be really listening to what your audience wants because what you think they want may not really might not be that yeah and that could ultimately be the biggest failure right because you're so consumed with being yourself which you know I guess maybe in a sense you don't actually have to be yourself you could build a brand based on like a persona yes. of some something or someone yeah. but if you just stick with it you know that kind of like that could be the brand and yeah. there's actually nothing wrong with that but again you wouldn't really want to go out there saying that this is my authentic self or this is whatever mm-hmm. this could really just be like an online persona and you could make a lot of money doing that and mm-hmm. give people what they want maybe the kind of content that they want to hear or and all that and you could be as equally successful so I think there's really maybe more of a distinction of whether or not it's your personal brand mm-hmm. or it's a brand that you really want to like make the make the consumer super happy or finding somewhere in between yeah so maybe there isn't a right and a wrong answer but really kind of like figuring out where you fit in there and I do have something to add to that kind of like um, from the new business that I that I created but we can get into that later yeah that kind of falls into that what do you think is the single most important thing for a blog or any creative platform like a podcast or Instagram page or a YouTube channel to thrive like I know there's a bunch of factors involved well what is to you the one non-negotiable thing like the one non-negotiable quality I think staying consistent because mm-hmm. whether or not you're being a consistency you know yeah. that goes along with branding right yeah. so if you're consistent in what you're doing and what you're saying and maybe even the colors you use or the font you use or anything like that yeah. brand awareness is really important right because yeah. you know like being able to recognize someone's photo or recognize yeah. someone's writing or even their tone. Yeah. Like some people are just that good where you can recognize like maybe a saying and be like, I better know who said that, yeah. you know? Um, so I think consistency is really the key to survival. And again, whether that is being super consistent to your authenticity or super consistent to like a message that you're trying to, um, trying to get out there. Yeah. Even scheduling like your posts. Totally. I heard it is super, super key to growing anything, any channel. 
Absolutely. You know what? Let's break it down for the branding newbie. What does branding for people like us, like content creators, even mean at this point? Because we hear that word thrown around a lot. Let's break it down for the listeners. I really think, let's see, like on a very basic level, mm-hmm. colors, right? Because we're living in the visual age. Yeah. So having something that is just really captivating but also kind of like makes sense to maybe the type of brand that you are. Like for me, like pink isn't my color, so I'm not gonna be the person out there branding in pink because it's yeah. just really not authentic to my brand. Yeah. But purple is. Purple is like, it's purple and like dark colors. It's like mm-hmm. really neat. So I kind of try to go with like more purple on mine. Um, but that's just really a basic sense of branding. Yeah. Um, being able to portray the same message over yeah. and over again. A good marketing scheme is something that is being repeated all the time. You know, like if you're watching TV, you're not going to see a commercial one time. You've probably seen it 10 times before you really remember it. Mm -hmm. There is an actual statistic to that, so don't quote that 10 things, but (laughs) 10 times. But it does take the brain multiple, multiple times to be able to see something, recognize it, remember it, and that's really a significant um, marketing structure there. So really just portraying the same message over and over again. You have to remember that, like, you know, with algorithms and timing and people's lives, that if, if you give a message one day on November 1st, 2018, the same people aren't going to have heard it that are new followers or maybe missed it on that day, yeah. like later in the year, you yeah. know? That's so true. really portraying the same kind of stuff. And then, of course, just, I guess it's really just being super authentic to your brand, whether mm-hmm. that is your personal brand or just strictly a business. Yeah. It's just really staying consistent, you know, and that's, that's really just, that's, that's it. And yeah. it sounds like there is no, like, secret recipe to branding. Of course, like, you know, if you want to get some help designing your website and doing all that stuff, but definitely all of the platforms should match. And the one thing that I can say that is a number one, I actually really wanted to write a blog post about this, I just haven't yet. Mm-hmm is if you have a domain, like if mine's thehotbrunette.com, mm-hmm. pay the $4 a month and get the matching domain email. There's so many people that are like thehotbrunette at gmail.com, right? It's yeah. like the, 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 just even that, it kind of really does show people and brands is that you've kind of like taken the initiative to really make sure that your brand is out there, right? Yeah. Um, and I've, I've actually had a conversation with multiple brands where they're like, really just pay the four dollars like you know what i mean it just yeah. kind of like shows your you're more um, that you're really serious about this yeah. because any business i mean i think on linkedin you can't even have a business profile if you don't have a matching domain to your email so yeah. that should tell you anything yeah <laughs> it's, it's like the number one business platform so if you really are building a business you know make sure you uh cross your t's and dot your i's and have everything really in place and be just really consistent and that's yeah. really what branding is whether that's the colors the fonts the emails whatever it is you know yeah I mean I am so guilty of that because I have just one personal email that I like use for everything <laughs> in the world you know like I email you need to. Yeah. I know I need to I need to we, get on that I need to get on that I'm like very technological it's a little thing it really is it's okay it's okay everybody is it everybody so is much better because when i email you i also get an auto reply and i'm like love that because i'm like okay like she got my email for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i know the auto replies are really annoying but i had to do it because we live in this age where people are so like if you don't respond within three minutes they're, they're on to writing you an like an angry email and I'm like yeah. look bitch I'm running three companies right now I'll respond to you in 48 hours like I really actually wanted there. to write that in the auto response but I wrote it a little bit nicer than that <laughs> thank you we appreciate it <laughs> okay 
straight, let's get it on the record. How important is branding in today's age of social media? It's everything. The goal, I think, is just that you would recognize something without having... Okay, if I've done a good job at branding, mm -hmm. I, someone could see my photo that maybe didn't have my face in it, and they could be like, I think that's Alyssa's photo. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Or read something that has doesn't have my name quoted next to it or my business next to it. And they're like, I feel like I heard that once before or yeah. I saw that once before. Yeah. And they think of you when they see it. I did have recently a video that I recorded without my face in it. Mm -hmm. And I had someone write me who lives in Taiwan, by the way, who oh, I've wow. never actually met. But she's been following me a long time and she was a ghostwriter for me ages ago. Yeah. And she was like... I saw this video and I knew it was you. And I'm like, okay, that's I've done amazing. actually maybe a good job of branding. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's really like what branding is, is being able to recognize something and not actually have like your name or your face plastered all over it to where it says that's who you are, but being able to recognize something like that. Yeah. How did you suggest somebody start finding their brand? Because I mean, I honestly don't even have this part down. Like if you look at my page, it's <laughs> kind of everything. It's like workout videos, pictures of outfits. It's bikini pictures it's like everything what is the first step in branding yourself and i wish i had known this before i had started social media <laughs> okay so you know um i how when did you start your brand or blog um i started well my instagram started back when i was in college but that was like super personal and then i kind of really got into the mm -hmm. workout stuff maybe in the beginning of in, in the beginning of summer, like towards the end of spring is when I started doing like workout videos because all my friends were like, yo, like you used to be a personal trainer, like you slash still kind of are a personal trainer. Um, why don't you like use your platform for that too? So I was like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But the thing is, see, this is why I was so hesitant is because my page is, it used to be 80% males, and now it's now it's 70, so it's dropped, but it yeah. felt like for me, like, doing, you know, like, all of a sudden switching from, like, bikini pictures and lingerie pictures to, like, workout and, like, fashion, is my engagement went way down, so I was kind of just like, yeah, I, should I, you know what I mean? This is, okay, so this is why, this is why I wanted to ask, mm -hmm. because first of all, I think finding your brand in a personal blog is is a journey and i think that's also why you know i think i said it earlier but it is a journey and that's why it does take a while i think to figure out kind of like where you fit yeah because i think that it's good to have someone that you look up to in the industry there are plenty of bloggers and influencers that i looked up to mm -hmm. and that's how i learned a lot about like what i needed to do but at the same time i did learn one thing that kind of held me back a little bit yeah no one's ever going to be as good as being you as you mm -hmm. so it's like I can look at someone and see that they have the most amazing graphic on their on their website and see that they're such good um, digital creators and all this stuff. It's like, you know, I'm actually really not good at Photoshop. I barely know how to use it um, or like Adobe anything. Like, forget it. Like on a phone app, yeah, I can edit a photo, but like I am not that creative. My brain doesn't really work that way. So yeah. all the years that I felt like I had to keep up with that, I felt like it held me back. Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing is, is that learning what you are actually good at. Mm -hmm because there's a lot of ways that we can all be successful in the same industry not being good at the same thing yeah. and I think that is sometimes a slight thing that does separate you from someone else so I you know I thought about starting a podcast but honestly it's that's I just really feel like that's not me mm -hmm. and I love actually I love being a guest on a podcast yeah. but that's just not 
where I'm going to excel. I already know that. Yeah. I excel more on the business side of things. Yeah. Behind the scenes where like people can't see what I'm doing. Yeah. And that's really where I found most of my success. So it's really been a journey and I didn't know any of that when I first started my blog. Yeah. So I think the learning experience. But then also when you go into kind of like whether or not you were going to rebrand, mm -hmm. for example, like in your case, yeah. you wouldn't want to lose the followers that you already have because like even if you have 5,000 or 10,000 followers and they're following you for a reason because yeah. they did like your content yeah. and you don't want to just like completely just stop one day and start exactly. doing another thing because you, you want to respect the people who followed you. Yeah. But at the same time, the people that will be with you from the beginning and that last for a long time will people that are people that have seen your brand grow yeah. and will respect the growth and actually kind of appreciate like where you started to where you ended up yeah. being like, wow, I followed them a million years ago when they were posting about this and now they're doing this. How yeah. cool. Yeah. Exactly. There's so many people that I follow like that. And I just, I love the journey. Yeah. And I think that, you know, if you kind of embrace that a little bit and just figure out where you can kind of groove in with your business, um, you can successfully move from, you know, one area of like having, talking about, you know, fitness, fashion, beauty, yeah. and all that kind of stuff to really honing in on like what your talent really is, um, yeah. what your listeners really want to hear, yeah. and, you know, what's really going to take you forward. Yeah. That's true. Do you think it's ever too late to rebrand? Like, is there ever a point where you got to just stick with this image that you've created for, I guess, engagement or success online? I think it can be definitely a challenge, like, you know, kind of like with your situation as an example, because mm -hmm. you're trying to adhere to your old audience, which is like, what, highly male. So yeah. it's like, well, are they really going to enjoy the, the fashion photos? I mean, I did have I used to do this thing called Bikini Fridays when I first started my website, mm -hmm. and I had like a few guys actually write recently, like, what happened to Bikini Fridays? Oh my god, like, yeah. see? I don't have that great of a bikini <laughs> body anymore, but we're done with that. <laughs> That's over with now. So I, there is a transition. I, just, I don't think it's ever too late to rebrand, and mm -hmm. I like to think of it more as like an evolution. You should always be evolving. Yeah. And things are changing every day and not obviously in society, but like in our business. Right. And people want to be a part of that evolution. So I think if you're strategically evolving, not necessarily rebranding, yeah. I think that's probably a smarter move than actually doing like a full on rebrand. Yeah. Unless of course you decide to do a completely different business because you're like, you know what, this isn't working for me right. and I don't like this and I don't like where it's going. Right. That's totally fine too. I mean, listen, starting from scratch also isn't the worst thing in the world because maybe that's even better. Maybe yeah. you're starting, maybe that gives you a, a new confidence, a new light on like what you mm -hmm. want to do and you're going to be bringing in like a totally new audience. Yeah. So I think it's really just more strategic on like where you want to go and what you're willing to give up, right? right. Um, because you kind of give up, giving up all the work that you've already done. Um, so I kind of want to think of it more as like of an evolution over a rebranding. But again, rebranding, it's never too late, honestly. Yeah. And with like the... The age group that we're in now, I mean, I'm 31, and I think I'm, I'm in, I'm in the age group that was like what, the age group of the first bloggers, mm -hmm. and then well, we have this whole new wave of younger bloggers. Yeah. That's like super, super, super young. Yeah. So it's only like these these careers that we've built are not going anywhere. They're only going to evolve. So at some point, you know, I might have kids. I might not have kids. I'm going yeah. to have to technically kind of rebrand in some sort of way as my life evolves. Yeah. But to be able to do that strategically and, you know, with the consideration of who your audience is and what they want to see is just, just something to think about for sure. Yeah.
one yeah. way or another. Life is a consistent rebranding. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. The process of starting your own digital branding agency, THB Marketing House. You guys recently partnered with Babefluence, or was it a partnering or a merging, or what? What was that? I haven't I haven't talked about this publicly yet, but uh-huh. this was really kind of just a, a way for me to separate myself from a personal brand because. Yeah. I built, I mean, I'm so, so thankful every day that I, I was able to build THB Marketing House mm-hmm. off of the personal brand that I built, the, yeah. uh, the Hoppernet. So uh, the evolution of THB Marketing House was originally, like I said, we would get, you know, we would get campaigns together. Mm-hmm. Then there was like, I want to say like six months after I started the agency, there was a huge influx where either people started building agent there were influencer agencies everywhere and trust me when I did my research originally I'm like there was like two influencer agencies yeah. so I was like this is fine I'm gonna get plenty of business I'm not right. worried about it and then like literally six months later there was all of this new tech so people had been working on them for quite a while it was yeah. just kind of like this launch and like this year where everybody all came out with this really tech. cool tech and really kind of just streamlined everything mm-hmm. so see I was already kind of losing out on that which I didn't actually consider. I was like, okay, that's fine. There's a million other things out there, but I'm, my business was actually totally fine. Yeah. And then as we moved on a little bit more, all of the PR agencies, basically all over the world, realized, holy shit, you know, like maybe the press release is dead and I need to start a, an influencer sector of yeah. my agency. And everybody did that. Yeah. So now I'm charging the same amount as like an agency that's been around for 20 years who has way more resources than I have. Yeah. At this point, I'm, I don't even feel good about trying to like ask somebody for that amount of money that's mm-hmm. worth my time because they're not going to get as much from me as they are going to get from an agency who has way more resources. Yeah. So I kind of had to just think about what I was going to do because it started dying off a little bit. And I was like, shit, okay, that's my main source of income. And so then I started getting into blogger resources or influencer resources. Mm-hmm. Essentially, I had a friend come to me and was like, hey, I joined a giveaway and they kind of described to me how it worked. They were like, you know, this, you pay to join and then yeah. somebody posts about it who is very influential and then you have to follow them. And to be honest, I honestly didn't understand. I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying. That process makes no sense to me. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. But then her following grew really fast. And I was yeah. like, okay, maybe we should revisit that. Yeah. So she's like, well, I learned everything about this, so let's host some giveaways. And oh I was like, gosh. okay, fine, whatever. And I actually had just lost my my biggest client for THB who was like on a retainer for a year mm-hmm. and even like with all of the ups and downs they were really like they were like the number one client that I had that I was able to basically like pay all the bills live off of it was legit yeah um, I didn't really need any other clients everything else was kind of just like extra mm-hmm. and so when I lost them I was like okay I need to make some money now and so I thought I was like I'll just help her with one and and we only did two together two giveaways but that's when I realized, I was like, okay, I had announced it on PHU Marketing House that we were going to do a giveaway, right? Yeah. And within like, 15, um, not 15 minutes, 15 hours, honestly, mm-hmm. the giveaway sold out. We sold like 40 spots at like $400. And I was like, okay. Oh my gosh. The, 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 um, the sponsor that we used was really expensive, but she's also, she was, she, everybody loves her. Yeah. So I knew that it was just a good marketing play. I knew it was going to sell out fast. Yeah. I, I thought that it was... I knew it was a good idea. It worked out really well. Mm-hmm. So 
the fact that it sold out that quickly, I was like, holy shit. I'm like, okay. So I think we each made like $1,200 off of it. Oh the first, God. The first go. And I was like, okay, this is actually like a pretty legit way to make money. But yeah. that's actually not the first thing that came to my mind. The first thing that was that influencers and bloggers that are wanting to improve their business are essentially willing to pay honestly anything to get ahead so I'm like okay I've been charging the wrong people so of course like I'm not here to like it was actually kind of a struggle because my brand ethos for THA Marketing House was to give back and not take from influencers so I I never wanted to have an agency where I was like taking 10% or whatever so it was really only about giving back and giving jobs so I was like shit you know what this is actually kind of way better because it's not like I'm just taking, taking, taking. They are legitimately getting something out of the service. Yeah. Now, mind you, I had, after the second giveaway, I had absolutely no desire to be a giveaway host from there, like, at all. Really? Like, at all. No. It is the most stressful, horrifying oh. experience in the entire world. I can't even go into it. That would be an entirely new podcast to talk about. No. I could go for days. It's, you understand, like, the kind of, like, People need to be like babysat 24 hours a day. You say they're like angry. You say they're. We're trying to think like, oh, someone you might gain like 3,000 followers for this this activation, but they only gain 2,500, and then they like call their credit card company and like file a claim against you, and you're like fighting with their credit card. It's it's a nightmare. I'm like, I want no part of that. That's not who. I don't have time for that shit. Yeah. So, but realistically, what I came to my conclusion was. The, the, the people who want I need to go with who want the people who want to spend money and even though I actually and even to this day I don't really I don't participate in giveaways <laughs> so, yeah. like I don't you would think that I would have like millions of followers because I've been like basically kind of like in this little pod of giveaways and all of this stuff mm-hmm. um, up until now but I actually don't I did in the beginning because I would get like a free spot um, yeah. in certain giveaways to promote them but I don't anymore but the whole idea is that I want to try and, I guess, just do whatever people are willing to pay for and want to pay for, but, like, in a safe space. And I also realized that the space was really filled with a lot of crooks. Like, there were people who would charge influencers, like, $400, $500, to join a giveaway and just literally skip out with their money and not even host a giveaway. Or oh they would God. actually, like, charge them, and then, like, the host maybe was, like, not really who they said they were, and then they would just buy, like, 3,000 followers for them so they'd get inundated with these fake profiles and all of this stuff and that is actually like a really really large part of that um, that industry like the giveaway stuff and so I was like you know what what if I just like kind of create like a safe space I've already gained the trust of a large group of women it's like 14,000 um, influencers mostly women on THV Marketing House that receive our emails weekly bi-weekly um and I've already gained their trust, and I want them to feel like they can participate in these type of activations, but in a safe space yeah. where, you know, I'm not taking personal payments from them because there's all these, all of the other groups are like, hey, friends and family on PayPal, send me like a Zelle payment or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, that's not the way you do business. I don't know how these people are paying taxes, but <laughs> I yeah. have a real business I need Seriously. to think about. And I also, again, like, it needs to be a safe space where people can, like, actually have protection when they buy when they pay for something like that yeah so then I but I branched into more like services like contactless and um, mentoring services and help with uh, Instagram engagement and SEO 
PTO and all of this stuff. So I really became like service based. But then towards the end, which was really like about six months ago, I was like, you know what? My brand ethos from THB, I actually had to go back to that. So I was like, you know what? This is about giving back. This mm-hmm. isn't about taking. Yeah. And now everybody is starting to know my business as like a brand where like, Maybe they can't join THB Marketing House because they can't afford our services. I That, like, killed me inside. I'm like, I can't be, yeah. I can't call myself a community where you have to pay to feel like you're part of the community because you can join for free, but the yeah. services are not for free, yeah. right? And so I was like, you know what? I need to turn it into a resource, back into a resource, and turn it back into something where influencers can make money from because mm-hmm. that's what I want that brand about. That's what feels like it's right to me. But I don't want to lose that part of it where they do have the safety and feeling like they can purchase um, services and programs that can actually improve their business. So I created Babe Fluence and that is only service based. I don't want my name anywhere on it. I never, I just, I didn't like the idea of the fact that people thinking that like, it's like kind of like a one way street. Mm-hmm. And so really there's just no emotion in Babe Fluence. It's somewhere where you can go. It's completely operated by someone else, not me. Yeah. Um, I was the creator so I built the blocks for everybody I got all of the contacts and all of the processes that we use at Teacher Marketing House mm-hmm. and I basically opened that and it's really just running on its own yeah and that was really just to separate everything because I really needed like something not emotional because if someone did have a problem with their service which happens all the time and it's mm-hmm. certainly never on purpose because customer service is really important to me and obviously that community is really important to me right. it like kills me yeah. like emotionally it, it took yeah. it really kind of like chipped away at my heart a little bit and yeah. I was like I can't live like that anymore right and it's not about me and it's you know marketing is it's hard you know if you go and spend twenty thousand dollars a month on a billboard there's no one that in the billboard industry that's going to tell you I can guarantee you're going to get ten thousand sales right. like no I can just tell you how many people pass through this street and you can and you can buy a billboard here it's not guaranteed you know sales and and revenue and all of, and and brand awareness is not guaranteed it's just you know based on the metric this is what we expect for to happen for you and yeah. it's not an exact science but you know it's pretty close but mm-hmm. the actual um, results are really highly based on your brand your product what yeah. you're doing and the marketing is only supposed to help that right so the, the there were a lot of people that go into this with unrealistic expectations and kind of like managing that was really hard because if I felt any sort of disappointment that literally just it, it really like took a piece of my soul yeah. so Babe Fluence was really just a way for me to separate the two and also continue that safe space to buy products that you can genuinely grow your business with yeah. but also then just keep everything a little bit separate but that's really kind of the long winded which I meant to keep short winded version <laughs> <laughs> the progression of the businesses Okay, you know what, let's discuss giveaways because, you know, we just talked about it, but how effective is joining a giveaway and growing a platform? I think a lot of people misunderstand it for, like, buying followers. Is that kind of what it is or is it not? I mean, I guess if you're going to, like, a janky giveaway pod, then it is, like, buying followers, huh? You know, when someone does have, like, any sort of, like, complaint, I guess, I'm always like, you know what, you technically are buying followers, Mm -hmm. but you're doing it in the best way possible. Yeah. Because... There are, I mean, listen, if an influencer, people have been doing giveaways forever. It's just that this type of giveaway is just kind of new within the last year or so. And influencers have done it for, since the beginning of influencing. Because like it made their, it made their audience like become more interested and be invested and comment and increase their engagement and all this stuff. Like 
Yeah, I know that they did a giveaway, like maybe just actually, they do it, actually do it to give back, but there is a business play there. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not just doing it for fun. It yeah. is a 100% a business play. Exactly. So I think that technically you are, but at the same time, like, it's definitely up to the person who follows you as to whether or not they want to continue to follow you. Yes. That's often a complaint of a giveaway because people will unfollow you afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it's like, listen, you can't go into this thinking that every single person is going to like your content. It's what it's really doing yeah. is I think there's definitely both sides to it. What I love about giveaways is that you're having this fa- a really fast way of introducing your content to more people mm-hmm. on a way bigger basis and like just at light speed more than you are now and that allows more people to follow you there are a ton of people that are going to unfollow you after but there's a lot of people that are going to continue to follow you and be like oh wow i actually really liked her content yeah but to be able to think that all of those people are there because you know like they're not all going to stay yeah and that's just but at the same time you know the people that don't stay so you didn't have those followers you know what i mean like they came for a minute but they left and you know the people that stayed those are real people those are people that actually want to see your stuff yeah so I think that it's great there's a few downsides and I think in a lot of ways the downsides definitely outweigh the upside Mm -hmm. is that with the unfollows it does really hurt your engagement with the Instagram algorithm you're they're constantly looking at kind of like how your content is performing and when you have a bunch of people unfollowing you yeah the the algorithm is I, I do know that they probably are doing something to kind of like notice giveaways but at the same time the give the the algorithm is really looking at okay well if two thousand people unfollowed you this week maybe your content is not great and we're just gonna like push it aside for this other person's content who's getting tons of um, impressions and engagement and all this stuff and we're gonna put that on the explore page Mm -hmm. so you do have an issue with that in the end Mm -hmm. the other downside is that which i hate i hate to say it and to be honest, I don't love giveaways. Like I said, I don't do them, but everybody wants to do them. So I'm really just in the business of giving what, giving people what they want. Right. Um, and also like kind of, you know, doing a service to the industry by giving someone a safe place to do it. Because if I don't, people are going to go find them. If they're not getting them from me, we don't actually host them. We actually just market other brands giveaways. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a large wide resource. Yeah. We're going to go find them somewhere else. Yeah. And maybe they're not going to be the right people. Yeah. So, the problem is is that everybody's doing it and I mean everybody and like no not every single person but to stay ahead you kind of have to do them which is terrible like you really you know that sucks I hate that about it Mm -hmm. and I'll be the first to say like if you really want to get ahead fast it's really hard to grow organically these days you really have to be like mentioned on like a super popular Instagram um, like on a podcast be on TV I mean yeah. something that really gets people noticing you yeah. to really move ahead quickly yeah. otherwise it's, it's, it is very 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 hard to grow organically it is it's so hard. it's a struggle because it's not there's many great things about giveaways but at the same time there's not and I think anybody that's just starting out is going to have a really hard time getting ahead but at the same time they have to choose the right giveaways especially mm-hmm. in the beginning when they have not that many followers because yeah. if they don't choose wisely they're going to build an, an audience that's not interested in their content yeah. and also the last warning that I'll give is that a lot of people think they can build a, you cannot build a business off of giveaway fans yeah you can. so like 
there is a large portion of my following that I did gain from giveaways, probably about like 30,000. Mm -hmm. But like my business is not based completely. I didn't start from zero and build it entirely off of giveaways. You'll get yourself into a lot of trouble that way. Yeah. Because these people really aren't invested in you yeah, from the beginning. In you know? Content. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little tricky. Oh my gosh. So then what would. The more followers does not mean more success. Yes. I, can't like say that enough okay let's talk about this this is the perfect segue because you really only work with micro influencers can you explain yeah. to us the power of micro influencers I well first is that the micro I was a micro influencer when I started THB mm -hmm. so but my thought was like why don't I help out my peers because the girl who has half a million followers 99.9% of the time is with an agency or is getting if she has a good business is getting inquiries already and she doesn't need my help mm -hmm. so my idea was really just to help my my fellow bloggers and influencers that yeah. needed to get those campaigns and needed the money and like really just weren't kind of like getting the job that they want to yeah so that was the first thing but also I think the power of micro influencing is really important because Instagram only shows your content to like 10% of your audience or something like that yeah, so when you have so actually stupid. kind of like a smaller audience and they are they are technically, they're usually more invested in your content than someone who has millions of followers. Mm -hmm. They can relate more to you. Yeah. So let's say when you have 10,000 followers as opposed to someone who has a million followers, the person who has a million followers probably is like shopping somewhere that you can't afford. Like I don't yeah. follow um, Kim Kardashian, but I don't really pay attention all that much to the brands that she's wearing yeah. or the product that she's using because I'm like, you know what, they're probably out of my price range. Right. So micro influencers tend to be more relatable mm -hmm. because you can actually, and, and this is just a general thing, but you can generally probably relate more to them because you can afford the same types of things that they can afford. Yeah. Um, that's not, there's obviously so many exceptions to the rule, but that's basically the power of micro influencing is because they are, they are relatable mm -hmm. at the same time. Like, you can have 5,000 uh, followers, and like the likeliness of you actually having met most of those 5,000 people is actually pretty high. Because like if you go like on Facebook or something, if you've had Facebook right. for a million years, like how many friends do you have on Facebook, or how many people have you met in your life? You know, like all of those people from like there's a lot of people following me from high school, yeah. from middle school actually. People that I didn't even go to high school that I went to middle school with follow me. You know, like. These people, I've actually met a lot of these people and I've created relationships with them and I talk to them on um, through DM and all of that stuff and it's really, really hard for um, influencers with tons and tons of followers and tons of messages and tons of emails to really connect one-on-one -on -one with their audience. So yeah. it's a lot easier to do so when you have a smaller audience and I think the buying power um, is definitely a lot higher because, yeah, you just it's just more it's relatable, personal. more personal. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of algorithm, because that's, an, again, a perfect leeway. Ugh, I can't. Oh, I think baffled. Instagram is just, I mean, I understand. I wrote a post about it on THB Marketing House about, like, the rules of the Instagram engagement. Mm -hmm. And it was really through, like, a lot of research that we did online, but also some trial and error because we do work with a lot of Instagram accounts and yeah. trying to help them grow their engagement as well as the following and everything. So what I realized was all of these rules and algorithms, like a lot of the stuff that hurts our people like you and me on our brand and mm -hmm. other influencers, 
they were things that were made because people abused what they were doing before. So yeah. let me just try and make sense of this. So like, for example, with the hashtags, mm-hmm. people so in the beginning, like when I first started my Instagram, I used to hashtag girl, like literally hashtag G-I-R-L girl. Yeah. And it would actually bring way more um, traffic to my Instagram. And I had found this trick on like YouTube or something because it was like a trending hashtag. And yeah. hashtags ori- originally were like supposed to be like, if you did this and this was like a high traffic whatever and you know and uh, i mean obviously things were just way different back then yeah but the whole idea is that like people like me but mostly people who really severely abused it were hashtagging um things that had nothing to do with their content right so like yeah so that would be like i mean i am a girl and i was posting stuff so like it, it didn't make sense that it was in there, but there would be like, if people found out that that was a hashtag where you could actually gain a lot of traffic, mm-hmm. it would be like a picture of a motorcycle, um, like going down the freeway and they'd be like, hashtag girl. And oh my God. Tons and tons of likes and it's creating an inauthentic atmosphere. Yeah. And so that's just one of the million things that really Instagram has made a lot of, if you look at really like a lot of the problems that you're having, it's because they had to like make these things to prevent abuse. Yeah. So that's kind of like, in some ways, if you're really trying to fight the algorithm, is like really just make sure you're kind of like not using crazy trending hashtags, yeah. being conscious about your hashtags, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Can you give our listeners um, top five tips for increasing engagement? So I guess number one would be don't join a comment pod. I think Instagram 1000% knows if you're in a comment pod because the same people comment on your shit. Like, I can't even, people are like, oh my God, I've been in a comment pod and then I stopped and my engagement, or I've been in a comment pod and all of the only comments I'm getting are from my comment pod. I'm like, yeah, because Instagram isn't showing your shit to anybody else. Like, I'm telling you, because there's even like, there's certain programs that I use um, to look at people's demographics or their engagement or their following and things like that. Yeah for um, brand campaigns and things like that, or just even help them figure out kind of like what's happening, how, like to what page. to fix. Yeah. And, yeah, what what's happening. And it will literally say, this one program that I use, Hype Auditor, it says, like, it will show you the percentage of the same people comment. It will say flat out, this person's likely in a comment pod. <gasps> and so I'm telling you, it's not just, you know, it's not just Instagram. It's like everybody knows and it's obvious, like, okay, a really funny thing is that you can actually pretty easily tell if someone is in a comment pod because if you look on someone's photo, even if they have like 105 comments or something, it'll show you like the bottom three or something like that, but they're yeah. not necessarily in, they're not in order. Yeah. And if you look at like five photos, like, and they're in a comment pod, like out of the five, like two of the, there will be like most of the same names will actually be in there. Like you can actually see oh. without scouring someone's oh Instagram page. It's really, really apparent and obvious, and Instagram has been fighting that since, like, day one, but always tell people not to. I mean, listen, I was a victim of comment pods. I did it in the beginning, and I was organically getting, like, hundreds of comments on my photos. Mm-hmm. This was, like, two years ago, I feel like. Comment pods have kind of been around for a while. And when I stopped, I, like, literally went down to 20. And no. I, it's, it, I'm, still, I'm still not even as high as I was before I joined comment pods. That was years ago. So, it's a life ruiner. <laughs> oh my god! Um, so that's like definitely number one. <gasps> that shit doesn't work. Get out while you can. I mean, listen. I always people are like, oh well, then my engagement's gonna suck if I quit. I'm like, well, you have to pull the bandaid off. 
yeah. let your engagement suffer for a long time and you're going to have to build it up authentically again. Like, sorry, but like that's the route that you took and now you're going to have to pay the consequence. Oh, but the other thing God. is, is posting at your peak time, super obvious. But I think that Instagram, I actually don't post at the peak time that it says on my Instagram. I tried posting, I actually looked at my audience, like where like most of my audience lives. And I post like mid-afternoon on my main, main, main demographic, and that actually happens to be a better posting time for me. And that's actually with a few people that I've mentored. They've tried it, and it seems to work better. So I definitely suggest it. So, for example, I have like most of my um, audience is in like the West Coast region Uh um, in the U.S., and so I post it like between 1 and 3 p.m. like uh, Pacific time. Oh, and, but that's not what my Instagram really tells me. My Instagram really tells you that most of my audience is like on the East Coast. So it's like a three-hour time difference. If I'm posting like 6 p.m. there, 9 p.m. there, it's a huge difference in time. So wow. I changed my posting time to be really focused on my demographic. Answer your comments and DMs as soon as you possibly can, like as soon as you get them. I don't know why that, I don't know why that is, but I think Instagram really like rewards whatever their reward system is. It has a lot to do with like how thoroughly and quickly you respond to comments and how you're engaging with your audience. Um, I know it's difficult to be on Instagram all day, like we don't want to do it, but I also, I think it it probably has something to do with like, if they see that you're on Instagram, but you're not responding, like maybe you're just browsing, that maybe that's like kind of an issue. So you want to respond as quickly as possible. I've read and I have actually like on my own, it takes a lot of time, it's really annoying, but if you respond really quickly you are I think that it does actually really help your engagement oh my god I've also heard that if you respond within like the first hour is really like what helps you the most mm-hmm. so I think doing that just being really really engaged with your audience who's trying you know you want to re-engage them they put a, <laughs> engagement's hard to get so you really want to try and re-engage them yeah. so that they'll engage again of course and then I had brought it up earlier but being mindful of your hashtags mm-hmm. like you have to you can't like choose trending hashtags anymore and I do know that you know, Instagram technically allows you to post like I think it's up to like 30, like 30 hashtags yeah. or maybe 20 it's something like that before they tell you that's enough but honestly like I think like 11 or 12 is really like no more than 12 is way better um, I've again tested this out you can go on those like shadow banning websites where you can like type in your post or type in your Instagram and you'll actually see there there are posts often that will get blocked because they have so many hashtags in them. Oh my god. And they won't like actually it will not give you a warning on Instagram. So I always tell people it's no more than twelve. And okay. to be really specific about what your photo is, like maybe put in a few trending ones that have like millions of tags, mm-hmm. but put in some ones in there that are like Very maybe specific. not like Yeah, super yeah. specific. Yeah. I noticed that if when people were super specific, like if you were, I don't know, saying a, taking a photo in your bedroom and you were laying on your bed and you wrote like hashtag duvet or white yeah. white comforter or something that's like so specific, those actually tend to do better because I think the hashtags are technically letting Instagram know how to categorize your content. Yeah. So if you're like just tagging something that has like 10 million other tags, now you're just going into a pool of like invisibility yeah you know whereas if you're going into like a hashtag that's like not that common but maybe still is like something relevant yeah you're going to be seen better if someone is actually searching a hashtag plus again they can categorize your content better when they're trying to put something on someone's discover page yeah so um that's definitely that and then i think um and then of course like i think the number one thing is like what you write in the body of your post Mm -hmm. um i think you know, definitely being captivating in your post 
are is, is extremely important. Yeah. You want people to very often people don't like to go on blogs like blogs I think are sometimes a completely different audience than even what you have on your Instagram mm -hmm. they don't really like often match which is good yeah. that's perfectly okay yeah. because you're getting SEO traffic and all that stuff on your website yeah. but on your Instagram you can easily like micro blog by like doing a long caption mm -hmm. but I think at the same time I think people really like overdo it and they do it on every single post and sometimes it is just as effective to post a really good photo with just like two words or one sentence or something because for me I'm a human being like I don't have something complicating to say 24 hours yeah, a day sometimes I'm just tired sometimes I'm just like feeling like it was a beautiful day yeah or I ate something good or maybe you guys should do this or warning I don't know like, yeah just like something like not everything needs like your whole life story yeah, in one like cool. one paragraph so I think that yeah. there is definitely there's a time and a place for it so I think there's a lot of people that be like I'm writing all of these like really captivating things I'm like yeah that's great but maybe like not every single photo needs that and yeah. not every single photo merits that you know yeah so I think it's mixing and matching and looking at what your audience obviously um, engages with the most mm -hmm. is definitely my top five yeah do you think to grow your audience or to grow your following do you think follow for follow will work if you do it with people kind of in your similar category so again, uh, really interesting, but like a lot of the programs that they'll tell you. here's here's yeah they'll tell you. So um, mm -hmm. like there's a few programs that I use that will literally tell me um, how many influencers are followed by some someone. Mm -hmm. So in the the shitty part is is like for me, like my business is built on a community of influencers. Right. I mean, my, my income is literally based on like the, the community that I built like I don't make money I have no substantial income yeah. from affiliate sales like mm -hmm. I do sometimes like a little bit but it's really hard I don't have that engaged of a an audience mm -hmm. in that sense that are purchasing like tons and tons of products for me yeah like I can't survive off of, off of that right so like my following is mostly influencers so like I have a really bad score and like that's it's actually been really hard for me in my mm -hmm. blogging career at this stage because like most every single brand or agency is using some sort of program to like vet influencers before they hire them I mean they have to now there's yeah. just no other choice right. because of there's so much fraud in the industry right. and so like mine I am like not a top choice for uh, for brand collaborations because I have so many influencers following me and yeah. they're not necessarily the target demographic for sales right so I don't think, I think it's fine if, um, for some people it works, you know, for me it doesn't, but yeah. I will tell you that whether it, it, it works or it doesn't work, there, you're not tricking anybody by getting those follows because you can find them on like every app or every right. platform that allows you to look at someone's demographic. Oh my God. It sounds like, you know what? Social media has become such a hard game to play. It's become, Oh yeah. Really it's not stressful. even a game. Like it's a game. It's a game that everybody wants. I think yeah. <laughs> just, like trying to figure out like, yeah. like Instagram is winning, you know? Yeah. Um, so like trying to game the system is really not an option anymore. Yeah. And it's getting trickier and trickier. So I think, I guess like my, my biggest piece of advice though, out of everything that we've talked about today though, mm -hmm. actually tying all of this in, is like, you cannot rely on Instagram. Yeah. And there are a lot of people that are actually freaking out because like the likes are, might be going away, yeah. right? Okay, I just have to say this loud and clear. If you're worried about this ruining your job, you don't actually have a job. Like you haven't actually built a business. You right. know what I mean? Like right. that, is, that is not the basis of 
if that is the basis of your business, so that's what you think it is, mm -hmm. like you didn't actually do the right job, you didn't do the right thing. Yeah. So like there's a million other things you need to be focusing on. Yeah. Impressions are extremely important. How many people are seeing your, your yeah. stuff? Just because it didn't engage with you doesn't mean they didn't see it. Brand awareness right. is huge. Right. They might come back in six months and buy that one thing that you talked about, but they may not have liked or commented. They're gonna be like, oh, I saw like Alyssa, she posted about this sunscreen, yeah. that it was the best. I wrote it down, or maybe I'll go back on that post and find it, right. and X, Y, Z, you know, right. the, the list goes on. It's that kind of situation over and over again. So I think the biggest thing is really just evolving and not putting all your eggs in one basket. Right. Instagram, like, you don't you don't own the followers. You don't own that data. You're, like, if Instagram goes away one day, it's not something that you can take with you. What you right. can take with you are your people who are dedicated to your content on your website um, and other things that you've built. Like, yeah. you know, using your influence to not only sell products and like promote products is something that's very powerful as well. Like, you know, maybe you've been become really good at graphic design. You know, yeah. I haven't, but maybe someone has. Yeah. And now they can like freelance graphic design and make a ton of money based on just like what they showed on their website right. and how like they promoted themselves on their Instagram through even just natural marketing. Not even like mm -hmm. so much like really focused on that type of thing yeah. or presets and all that stuff like I'm not good at presets I'm never going to sell presets yeah but like I love that some people are like killing it selling the best presets right. because they do have that creativity yeah you know so that's true really just kind of like evolving your business and not really depending on Instagram is something that's going to really divide the, the success from the non-successful yeah that's true I was just having a conversation with somebody else about this and I was like we need a platform other than Instagram that is really like your own, like like your blog in my podcast. The lesson here is that you cannot like Instagram is not your like if your Instagram is your business, you've got to really really now take some sort of inventory on like how to capture that. Yeah. Um, and for me and my business, it's really been email marketing. Um, that's how Patreon Marketing House survives. Like we have no fall. I have no followers on Patreon Marketing House. Like mm -hmm. none. I've never. I barely even post on it. I probably post on it like once every like few months yeah. maybe yeah so like if i should it's a testament you know to the fact that like you don't need instagram to be successful on the right. internet yeah it right. totally helps right but i've never generated one sale for my instagram on for th marketing house never one yeah it's always been email marketing yeah oh my god but it, instagram has been a really helpful tool because i was able to like connect and find the right people that i wanted to target through instagram because everybody lists their email address on there so i literally went out and like emailed like personally emailed a lot of people about when i got it started yeah. and that's kind of like how like kind of like a little rumor mail got started you know so kind of just mm -hmm. instagram was really helpful as, as aggregate to find all of those influencers but as far as actually like generating income for my business like i've never generated any income for tj marketing house which is literally has, has been my survival for the past three years right. from instagram so there's plenty mm -hmm. of ways that you can use it to your advantage but you know completely relying on it it's just something that obviously we can't do so much of it is out of our control absolutely the THB marketing house provides a contact list of brands for influencers to reach out for campaigns what is your suggestion when it comes to pitching yourself to a brand I think like being unique I used to like kind of just send out a really super generic email mm -hmm. and I still do like that's definitely way do we do give out a guide that has ample emails and all that stuff yeah but you really have to like make it who you are. What's different about you? The most successful, when we actually do the re outreach, sometimes people will just get the list from us and do their own. But a lot of time when we do the outreach, we want to know what makes you different. You know, yeah. like I want to know, I love writing those emails and writing that and like sending those out to companies. And then the ones that, the most difficult collaborations I feel are like hotel collaborations because 
hotels, let me tell you right now, have like no interest in collaborating with you. I can't even go there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've worked with so many brands and hotels on the other side of things, and they're like, yeah, we don't we don't even respond to those emails anymore because they're just we have millions a day. Yeah. But like those when you're talking about like getting getting the attention of somebody, it's like okay, I wrote a really. I did a hotel collaboration in March Mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm going to get this collaboration. And I waited and I strategically did it. Mm -hmm. And I wrote out like exactly what I was going to do, exactly what I was going to post, exactly like what my plan was. It wasn't just like, Hey, I'm Alyssa. I have 70,000 followers on Instagram and I, I'm coming to San Diego and I want to write about your hotel. Like, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't just like, it wasn't generic in in any way. Mm -hmm. And I did actually like, you know, I changed it for a hotel just a little bit and Maybe that's, you know, kind of maybe a little bit of waste of time, but I actually, I got, all of mine were yeses. I've never had a yes on a, on a collaboration for a hotel. Yeah. Ever. You know? And, like, I realized then, I was like, it's because of the email that I wrote. Like, right. it was it's legit. I mean, I even wrote, I mean, I went into detail about exactly what they were going to get from me. Yeah. And what I, exactly I wanted from them. So I think really, one, separating yourself, but also just being really detailed about what your plans are. Because they don't have time to respond and just be like, okay, well, what do you think? You know, or like, what's your plan? Or what, what's your idea? Or it's, right. it's too much. Take the work out of it for them. Like, that's the easiest thing you can do in life is literally just make someone's life easier and you they will say yes to you. Yeah. It, it is your job as a creator to take the product or whatever it is and make it something that, like, represents you but also the brand. Mm-hmm. But it's also, like, the campaign manager's job to make sure that that, that vision fits. And that's so exhausting. I can't even tell you because that's, you know, basically how I started THB. Yeah. And, like, those campaign, the campaign creations literally took the life out of me. I used to charge, like, just to even, like, give them a campaign idea. It took a lot of creative power out of my brain. Yeah. It's like, I know how they feel. And if there's any way they can make them, their lives easier, they're just like, I love you. I would love to work with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know. Yeah. You know what? I think that is so valuable for anybody who's trying to pitch themselves. Like, no matter the following that you have, I think a lot of people also blow the importance of having a huge following out of proportion. I think it's more so the the quality of content that you can provide, regardless of your following. Definitely. And it's all about the quality content. It's all being, like, passionate about what you're doing, whether that's just strictly business or it's a personal brand. Mm -hmm. It's really, like, focusing on the messaging, how you're messaging it, making sure it's authentic, yeah. even if it's paid and all that stuff. It's really just like bringing, having it make sense. And so the one thing that really annoys me, like I can't, this is my biggest pet peeve. Oh my God, I love this. You know, like my last question for you was like the biggest mistake you see influencers doing online that makes you cringe. Yeah. I, okay, this I'm is ready. like the worst. I'm, I'm ready. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm ready. I got, I got two emails mm-hmm. this week for two brand campaigns okay. um, that I didn't take and I said no to them and I think really the, the power of saying no mm-hmm. is so incredible if you're like if you can say no in life you're like already 10 steps ahead yeah in a general sense yeah but I got an email for coca-cola campaign okay. and for frito-lays and oh there's nothing wrong with those brands they're very popular brands but yeah. like I would never put that shit in my body I'm so sorry yeah. like anybody who That's eats that real. and it's it's fine, but that's just not who I am. Like, I'm very, very healthy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if they offered me $20,000 for a post. I still wouldn't do it because I would literally be straight up lying. I yeah. would be lying yeah. to everybody about, like, and I just, I don't feel, first of all, if I'm not going to put it in my body, I don't know how I could sleep at night telling somebody they should put that in their body. Yeah. Because I know it's just not good for you. Like, yeah. 
sorry, whoever's listening to this is like, oh my God, I love it, or works for <laughs> them or oh something. Like, so sorry, but like, yeah, like, I can't do that. And so when I, so I guess my, my point is my biggest pet peeve is not necessarily about like those brands or whatever, is that when I can so visibly see that an influencer is promoting something because they got paid and it is like not aligned with their brand, yeah, that kills me because... Real. Consumers are smart. I obviously am like on the marketing and the blogging side of things. So I see things maybe in a different way, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only person who thinks like that because like my way of thinking is not a skill. It's like just common sense. If I see that you're posting all about this organic life and the fabulous, fantastic life, but you're also posting about 99 cent food at Walmart, I don't believe that you're all you're wearing it's different if like your brand is about like affordable luxury right so you're like yeah i spend nine hundred dollars on a pair of shoes but you know what fuck it i'm i'm having i love fritos yeah (laughs) i'm like saving money on food that's that's a vibe i can get on board with that so easily i i would love to hear someone say that yeah but that's usually not the case it's like this you know very upscale like i'm doing this and i'm doing that and like here's what I'm promoting, but, like, you know, I can tell that they just got paid to promote some, like, brand that just doesn't align with that. Right. I doubt that I would see them in their Louboutins walking down the aisle at Walmart shopping yeah, for 99 cent hamburger bucks. <laughs> but I see that all the time because those brands, they love the marketing. They need marketing right now because, yeah. like, everybody's on this really, like, big health kick. So mm-hmm. I've been seeing a lot of it. When you can tell someone is promoting something because they got paid, it yeah. kills me. Like, I know you have a job to do, but... If you're doing a good job at your job, you will find the right campaign for your brand. Right. Or else maybe change your messaging. Maybe that is your message. Don't be ashamed of it. You know what I mean? It's fine. Again, it's about consistency mm-hmm. and you can tell and you can see through that shit and it's it's so annoying and it's you know, you're not gonna get that as far as you wanna get by kind of selling yourself out a little bit. Yeah, you know? yeah. The reputation or the trust that your followers have in you as an influencer exactly. is something that is you shouldn't put a price tag on that and once that's gone it's like a relationship like you don't get you don't get that kind of trust back no you have to like win that trust back and i'm sorry i'm a scorpio i can forgive but i can never forget forget. (laughs) you lied to me about some burritos and coca-cola Oh I'm like, I know for a fact you don't eat that brand of mayonnaise, girl. I know you do not. I cannot believe I'm not going to trust any food recommendations for you ever. None. Your recipes are going to the trash right now. Exactly. Exactly. Before we wrap the show, we do a weekly segment called Weekly Weakness. It's anything you're obsessed with this week. It could be a TV show, a product, a song, a book, anything. It could be anything at all. What is yours? I'm like next level obsessed with magnesium. Magnesium. Because I just recently magnesium like the supplement mm-hmm. but like actually everything magnesium i know that this is like oh. life tip magnesium can do everything for you i just i recently had my surgery so mm-hmm. i've been like super puffy and bloated yeah. i've been taking magnesium baths every night and i'm telling you i look like a different person when i go in i look like you know that marshmallow michelin man <laughs> like when i go in and then i come out and i'm like a different person also i had a really bad cellulite issue recently but i haven't lost any weight and like this wasn't intentional but like my cellulite is way 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 less since i've been doing the epsom baths i don't know what it is um but cellulite's more of a skin problem than a fat problem um even though obviously fat is contributed to that but the point is is that epsom salt is amazing for that but then like you know there's um there is magnesium and like evian spray Mm -hmm. which i always thought was kind of the foo-foo spray like oh just spraying evian on my face 
but it actually has magnesium in it. So I've been using that like crazy to help with the swelling. And, and magnesium works. is like an amazing, amazing, amazing supplement because it, it, as much as it draws out of you, it actually replenishes. So a lot of it, like sea salt is great like that, but sea salt actually takes a lot from you and it does replenish, but not mm-hmm. quite as much as Epsom salt. So like if you go in the ocean a lot, you know, maybe if you like go in the ocean yeah. for like the day or something, very cleansing and it's really good for your body but at the same time like it doesn't really replenish you as much as like something like Epsom salt does Mm -hmm. even though it's not actual salt it's just called that Mm -hmm. the point is is that I'm obsessed with magnesium I'm like spraying (gasps) all over my body I'm like taking a bath every night I feel like a million bucks it also increases your serotonin levels so it can make you happy so you're just like it's miracle 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 and like a bag of it is like six dollars but also I just actually found out about the eucalyptus kind, and I am dead. It is the, the aroma fills like the whole house. Oh. It's incredible. It's like you can breathe, and it's so soothing. And it's to be in like the shittiest bathtub of all time, and you would feel like you were in a million dollar spa, spa oh my with God. the the with the eucalyptus. Like the regular bath is fine. Yeah. I mean, it's great health wise, but like the eucalyptus, I'm telling you it will take you to another place yeah you know what there's um there used to be a supplement a magnesium supplement called calm that i would take in my like hot tea before bed yeah it was so good it helps you calm down like relaxes you but it also helps your digestive system is what i've found absolutely i definitely know people that use calm and i see it all the time at whole foods i've never tried it so i definitely will um but yeah you would love it it's the best stuff i've never used it topically like externally but now you make me want to go out and get some Evian spray yeah you need to get some oh my god i I always just thought it was just like a bougie version of like a face spray (laughs) like you said yeah (laughs) i was like oh my god really like spraying water on your face for four dollars go (laughs) stop Go fly a kite. That's my new favorite thing when I want to say, like, go at yourself. Yeah. Go fly a kite. <laughs> go. I heard someone saying that, and I was go. like, ooh, that's a good one. $4 on Evian, you can go fly a kite. Right, seriously. <laughs> but now we understand the hype, and I am going to go exactly. to CVS or Rite Aid or Walgreens and get myself a bottle. Absolutely. <laughs> Please tell our listeners where they can find you and the THB Marketing House. Okay, so on Instagram, I'm the hot brunette. It's spelled T H E H A U T E B R U N E T T E. So the hot brunette. I don't know how to. I never even know how to pronounce it myself. T H B Marketing House. T H B Marketing House. Um, that's on Instagram, and then you can go to thbmarketinghouse.com. If you are an influencer, you can register. Basically, by registering, you're just kind of opting into our email campaign where we're going to send you. Know, useful information to help you grow your business and opportunities and things like that and then if you're an influencer looking for or even a brand actually so that can go for both um, but an influencer or brand that's looking for some sort of marketing tools and services you can go to babefluence.com like influence but with babe in, in the front of it babefluence.com and look at those services there and I'm always chatting with everybody on Instagram so on my personal Instagram which is the hot brunette I just wanted to chat with everybody who messages me on there and you know it's sometimes it's really good to put a face to a name so that it's not just some random brand they'll see online I love meeting new people so yes. I'm all over the place yes <laughs> I emailed you I actually dm'd you at first and you dm'd me right away but you yeah. guys I was a part of a babe fluence giveaway and it was fantastic and it's not shady 
at all. We spoke about, you know, going on a janky and giveaway pod and having like robot followers. This is not one of those at yeah. all. I highly recommend it. I like it Amazing. a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We so really do do a good job at vetting everybody first. I mean, there's nobody that, none of the partners that are hosting those giveaways are people that like we just randomly put on there. Yeah. They're people that like we as a team had like joined we either we use someone's account to like join giveaways but we also mm-hmm. did it secretly so like we actually like paid into those giveaways as a complete stranger mm-hmm. do like kind of like a secret shopping which was really beneficial because we got a real experience of like how they handle problems because yeah. they don't all go smoothly and it's 99.9% of the time it's not their fault like listen there's the algorithm to deal with the sponsors are usually divas like mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what else to say about that they just are yeah there's a lot of moving parts and how they deal with it is really important to us because I would hate to put my name or my reputation on the line for someone who treats other people like shit and that has happened to us in the past so I was really 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 careful about who they hire who's going to be representing the brand Mm -hmm. so like really any services they're not arbitrarily like just put on there or like just random they are really tested by part of the team that you know making sure that they do handle those situations right because we're really just like it's like an aggregate of services so even though Davefluence and Tasty Marketing House are managing them they are they're outsourced and it's really just like a a a great place to go and find what you need without having to shop around and go to a million different websites yeah and it's just nice to know the quality is there rather than just going to some like random person that hits you up on a dm talking about a giveaway like don't trust any of those (laughs) exactly so sketch i actually delete those i'm like no i can't like i just can't like i'm sure some of them are actually really legit but that's not the right for me that's like not the way that i would ever do business and i don't know if i i don't know if i want to do business with anybody doing it that way because i don't know if i believe them it's hard to trust people yeah exactly well i am so thankful to have you on and give us all the advice on branding and social media because it's a hot topic and you are it is and you are a branding genius like i've said this time and time again i was like you are so like you're so good at it and thank you so much for all the tips that you have given us i am like literally i made a note i was like typing away on my phone i was just like create a vibing and valentino email asap with like three exclamation marks <laughs> asap you need to get on that if you're not allowed to email me like anymore i know i'm sorry i'm sorry well if i'm just gonna give you shit about it <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much Alyssa. thank you for taking the time out of your vacation to talk to me you got it thank you so much for thinking of me i love doing this kind of stuff Thank you. Enjoy your trip, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, perfect. See you. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation we had with Alyssa Melendez, or the hot brunette. She gave me so much good advice, and it was so inspiring for me to talk to her. I hope you guys learned some things from her as well throughout this conversation. If you guys enjoyed this episode or any other previous episode, go ahead and hit subscribe and give me a five-star rating. I have to get back to preparing for my trip back home. I will catch you guys next Friday on Vibing and Valentino. Thank you so much, you guys, for coming to hang out with me today. Have a great weekend and be safe. Bye.